It is a very good afternoon. It is Niall Boyle and welcome along to the Niall Boyle podcast this afternoon. Lots to get through and you may know, of course, that Ron DeSantis in America has now entered officially the presidential race, giving Donald Trump a run for his money and giving the Democrats a run for their money too if he manages to poll. Now, at the moment, he's polling quite low compared to Donald Trump. But of course, now that he's entered the race and he's getting a lot of publicity, his polling will probably go up. But here's the thing. A lot of people are saying this is great, and it could be for America. It will be a complete change from Joe Biden, but certainly it will be a conservative government. Now, as you know, I would consider myself a conservative. But then again, do I really want a very conservative government? Because it was interesting, if we go back to the 1950s, when Ireland was ruled by, I suppose, the religious iron fist, we were a very conservative, conservative country. But then the pendulum swung the other way, and now we have what we would consider to be an extreme liberal government. If we want to swing it back again, we could go too far. So there is a danger of that. Joining me to discuss this today is Senator Jared Crogwell and also ancient representative Eric Nelligan. Thank you, gentlemen, uh, for joining me today. Now, first of all, let's have a quick listen, if we can, to what um, Ron DeSantis said last night when he was in an interview, which was the biggest spaces are online interview, which was conducted, by the way, none less than Elon Musk. Have a quick listen to what he said. Well, let's see. So, yeah, Governor, there's been a lot of speculation over the last couple of months about your your plans. Um, I understand that you may have an announcement to make. Uh, we've got, I think, a, a record audience assembled here. Uh, you know, the, probably the biggest uh, room that's probably ever been assembled online. Uh, what, what would you like to tell them? Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes, and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle-class lifestyle. And our president, well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. We must restore sanity to our nation. This means embracing fiscal and economic sanity. Stop pricing hardworking Americans out of a good standard of living through inflationary borrow print and spending policies. And please embrace American energy independence. This also means replacing the woke mind virus with reality, facts, and enduring principles. Merit must trump identity politics. We must return normalcy to our communities. America's a sovereign country. Our borders must be respected. We cannot have foreigners pouring into our country illegally by the millions. We cannot allow drug cartels to poison our population with fentanyl. Okay, guys, if you listen to that, it's quite reminiscent of a lot of the problems that we seem to have and the debates that we would have on a regular basis here in Ireland. He's mentioned quite a lot of things, which is identity politics. He's mentioned the woke mind virus. He's mentioned immigration. He's mentioned pricing people out of a decent cost of living or a way of living because of the cost of living. Um, a lot of things that affect us here in Ireland. And he's going to do something about it, according to what he says. He's quite charismatic, in fairness. Very similar to Donald Trump, but certainly seems to put his sentences together a lot better. First of all, Jared, if I could come to you. I mean, at the moment, would you consider Ireland to have a liberal government? Absolutely. I, I think um, we have gone... <coughs> 
really since I came into politics, we've moved more and more liberal uh, over over the years. Some of us have been good. In fact, most of us have been good that we shook off the shackles of the past. But there is a tendency when you move into uh, the liberal area that people try to capture it then and try to make it even more liberal. And I'm, I'm particularly mindful here, for example, I was one of the only men in the Shannon during the passage of the uh, uh, gender recognition bill that actually spoke in favour of the legislation. But no sooner was it passed than people wanted to reduce the age of, of um, uh, uh, I suppose the right of those to transgender uh, below 18. And um, this is what happens in, in, in when you start bringing in liberal legislation. If it's not liberal enough, people for even more. And well, I am well we do know that Ron DeSantis only this week brought in legislation, as you know he's the governor of Florida. He brought in legislation with a jail term for any doctor who prescribes puberty blockers for a child under the age of eighteen for a gender transition or performs any surgery. And in other words, if you're a doctor and you do any of those things, you can go to jail. Now this has been criticized by many states in America, but Ron DeSantis is quite happy to do it. The people of Florida seem happy about it because they call him Ronda Santa Claus. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is you, you could agree with some of the stuff he's saying, not all of it, but you could certainly agree with some of the stuff he's saying. And um, I, I would have serious difficulty in anybody prescribing anything for children that are under 18 years of age. Uh, I, I, I think there are too many factors involved in the transgender argument, for example. Okay. Uh, so I would have difficulty. Okay. The, the, other, the other question I'll come to you before I come to Eric is immigration, which is obviously a hot potato in this country at the moment. The government seems to be ignoring the will of the people from what I can see. And anybody who's a dissenting voice is called extreme right wing, uh, even though most of them are probably not. They're just concerned citizens. We don't seem to want to cap numbers. We've seen a report that came out yesterday in relation to the majority of people that are coming into the country. The vast majority have no documentation, false paperwork, some even identifying as minors who are not actually minors at all. And nobody seems to be checking anything. But yet, we see Rodrigo Gorman continuing to say, we will continue to keep doing this. Do we have to stop at some point and take you know, take stock of what we're doing and say, well, hold on, let's just close it off for a moment, come back to it in six months when we solve the, the problem we have for accommodation and everything else. And also, should we be checking people more vigorously? Yeah, I, I went to Sicily at the request of the Italian government in 2017 to look at the migration that was taking place across the Mediterranean. Uh, soon after observing what I saw there, uh, two things, I, I, two comments I made. One was that they were not refugees by and large, they were economic migrants. And secondly, that it was our fault. And when I say ours, the people of the West, we have stripped every possible asset we could out of sub-Saharan Africa and out of the other countries that are migrating here. And we can't blame them for wanting to come for a better life. The Irish have spent generations uh, uh, migrating to different parts of the world. So we take a very hard, some people in this country take a very hardline view of migration. My own view is that Europe, uh, the great European Union we're all party to should be investing in these countries in order to keep people at home and they're in their natural environment. Um, I take grave exception to some of the right-wing stuff that I'm seeing happening. As, as I do. The burning of tents or standing outside hotels telling them to go home is not a way to deal with the situation. But certainly what I would say is, and I might say this to you, Eric, when we see the atmosphere at the moment and the landscape, particularly what we saw in Ennis last week, and I saw these 
concerned citizens being referred to by the government as right wing. And I looked at a picture of these people who look quite innocent, to be honest. They certainly weren't right wing. They were concerned uh, citizens. Do you think, Eric, by policy, by government policy in relation to immigration currently at the moment, they're driving people against each other, essentially? Unfortunately, you're right. Um, I was at a meeting last night with the, the AN2 Midwest meeting and there was a number of people from Clare there. And these are normal concerned citizens, normal people like what you would have seen in your um, in the images from Clare, from mm. Ancient County Clare, not people that you would associate with the far right at all. But there are segments of society that label them far right. I would consider myself a centre left person, but the views I hold now are now considered right wing or moving right or whatever you want to call it. That's mm. the way society has gone. Society has moved um, where the, the, the standard view of someone is if you don't agree with what's been espoused, you are now right wing. So everybody, I would say it's likely 70% of the population could be classified as right wing because if you hold any common sense, normal, reasonable position, that's now considered right wing. So to go back to your to immigration to your immigration point, I suppose what what, what I would look for and what A2 would look for is a country has to have the right of self-determination over its own borders. The Irish people are very welcoming, as can be seen by how we how we accommodated and we were very helpful to tens of thousands of uh, Ukrainians that came here under our need. The Irish people stood up and we, and we left, we left, we left should them we, all but in. Should we have capped those numbers in relation to him? And I think there is two different sections when we come to immigration. And we seem to have this sympathy and understanding when it comes to Ukraine because we genuinely know there's a war there. But when we look at, say, people seeking international protection and the vast majority seem to be coming from Georgia and Albania where there is no war. Actually, I looked up yesterday on um, one of those tour guides online and Georgia is considered to be a safe country. So I have no understanding, as, as, as Jared rightly pointed out, the majority of those would be economic migrants coming in with no passports, claiming to be from somewhere else. Should we take a tougher, hard line? And also in relation to Ukrainians, should we have capped the numbers? As much as we might want to welcome people in the current crisis that we're in with accommodation, should we have capped numbers? Uh, when you look back on when, this, when, the, when, the, when the Ukrainians were moving here initially, there was no talk of capping them. But we, we actually came to a, a timescale where our, where our ability to host people was, was gone. Like we had the government asking people to take them into their houses, for instance, and paying a, a very small sum to help accommodate them. So we, we got to that level. So the government were weak at the start. The government did not want to be seen to be saying, no, we, can't, we can only take 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000. They didn't want to put a number on it. So what we had is we got to a stage where literally the facilities in the country could only host, I think, around 75 to 80,000 as far as I know. There were around those numbers, to the best of my knowledge. But, ne but then we're talking about a separate, the economic migrants are a separate kettle of fish. As a country, we should have the right to say we can give visas to people that we need help with. And there are, look, we definitely have segments of the population or segments, segments of industry where there is labor shortages. So, like most normal well, isn't that, isn't do, that why Roger Gorman is now saying that he's going to uh, reduce, I suppose, the criteria in relation to getting a visa in Ireland because we have a shortage of people in hospitality or unskilled workers, I suppose, in hospitality and construction? But at the moment, you just come in. You come in. You can come in legally or illegally. No, actually, more to the point, you come in illegally. Yes, yes, exactly. So, at the moment, it's not there. We had a situation where Roger Gorman put out in nine different languages all around the world. 
come to Ireland and you have your own door accommodation within six months. So that's what happened. That led to the influx. As we all knew we all knew that was never yeah. going to happen. And unless exactly. we're living some sort of pipe dream. Okay, getting back to what I talked to Senator Crogwell about in relation to Ron DeSantis. Look, Ron DeSantis is clearly conservative. He would fit well with AIM2, I would imagine, to some degree. Uh, but some of his policies have been criticised. You know, I mean, they call it the Don't Say Gay Bill, of course, which was criticised in the United States. His education bill, which is not being able to teach gender ideology or LGBTQ plus education in schools, has been criticised by some people, mainly outside of Florida. Um, do you agree with his policies? And do you think that kind of conservative government would work in Ireland? Or is that swinging it too far the other way? Well, I, I suppose what you see in life, look, I, I remember back when I was in college and we were, I had a lecture and she said everything in life is cyclical. So what's, what's strong in one period of time and a couple of years later, or a couple of decades later, will be weak. And that's, that's the way it is. So what we see at the moment is in America, the, the pushback has happened in America. And if, if, you, agree with, if you agree with what you, 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 you notice out there is Ireland could be 10 years behind America. So things that are happening in Ireland now probably happened in America 10 years or so ago. So mm. what we are looking at is if we don't, if in Ireland, if we don't moderate, if the government don't moderate their tendencies, we are likely to have in five or 10 more years when things keep, keep, things keep going at the same pace, we're likely to have a strong pushback. And we don't want a strong pushback because if we have a strong pushback, we see things like what happened uh, when the tents were burnt uh, there last week in Dublin. Well, there's or no excuse for that, like, is there? Or, you know, I yeah, mean, there, there, no is, there, there no. is actually no excuse. And by the way, no. I, I mentioned this during the week when I saw the video of an immigrant coming out swinging an iron bar at the local residence. Of course, that was wrong. I also then saw the residents beat him up. Of course, that was wrong. I saw them set fire to the tents. Of course, all that was all wrong on both sides. But I, I don't blame all of them. I actually felt sorry for them all to some degree. I blame the government because they shouldn't have been there in the first place. Bad policy had them there in tents in the right. first place. They should have either been refused entry if they weren't legitimate uh, asylum seekers or indeed they should have been supported if they were legitimate. So it's bad policy that has them like that. Uh, getting back to you, Jared, in relation to Ronda Santos and America, and I suppose what we're talking about here is this cons conservative. Do you, do you believe that Ireland could go back to some degree to having a government that actually had an opposition? Because... I don't know about you, but I don't believe there's an opposition in government anymore. I think we've lost opposition. There was a time, if you remember, we had the Progressive Democrats, we had Labour for the Working Party, Fianna Fáil were Conservative, Fine Gael primarily Liberal. Now we see them all basically, as they say, cheeks of the same arse, essentially all agreeing with each other. Is that the way you see it? It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I, I gave a statement to one of the newspapers last week where I said uh, Sinn Féin are no longer a party of the left or a, a party of revolt or rebellion or whatever you want to call them. They're moving into the centre ground, stealing Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil's clothes. And what we're going to have in the next election is a very, very large number of those putting themselves before the electorate who are in the centre, uh, slightly right or slightly left. And uh, there, there will be, it will be very difficult to find a credible um, uh, opposition in the next government. It, and you're right, Kyle, there's not really a credible opposition here at the moment. There's a lot of populism that goes on in government or in the, in, in the houses of the Oireachtas, but real serious opposition. Uh, to well, we've, we, we, we've seen Sinn Féin who were popular in the last election because people wanted change. I don't know if the people wanted Sinn Féin, but they certainly wanted change and they thought they wanted something different. But what we're seeing lately with Sinn Féin is them basically doing a U-turn on almost everything they've said in the past. I mean, I don't know whether that's just populism, as you rightly said, to get into government. And I don't know whether Mary Lou will be the next Taoiseach of Ireland. There is predictions out there that it could be a Sinn Féin, Fine Gael and a sprinkling of green in the next uh, government. 
I, don't, I maybe don't see that. I, I maybe don't see it until Pierce Doherty becomes the leader. Maybe that's very sexist of me. But I, I don't see Mary Lou being the, the Taoiseach of the country. Do you? I am honestly. Um, I think there is a possibility, but my my gut feeling tells me we're going to have something similar to what we have at the moment. More Some of the sort same. Of a mismatch mm. between Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and somebody else. Um, that's well, the then, well, then we're heading for more liberalism, aren't we? Because they seem to be saying yes to everything. When we look at what's happening in Ireland, let's take two of the most recent things that we've seen and been debated, which are the hate speech uh, legislation, the new proposed hate speech legislation. And I don't for one minute believe that even half of the 110 uh, TDs that voted in favour of that actually read the legislation. Because if they did, and they sat down with a solicitor and read it, they wouldn't have voted yes for it. Well, they said, well, mind you, they would have lost the whip if they hadn't have. And then we had the education bill, which again, we're being told whether you like it or not, this is the one that's coming in for the junior cycle next year. And by 2024, 2025, this will be coming in in uh, primary school as well, which con uh, uh, contains gender ideology and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people are not too pleased about that as well. But Leo Varadkar, in his yeah, own words, to grip media, when he was told that 70% of the public submissions disagreed with the hate speech laws, he said that didn't really matter because they were doing it anyway. Yeah, the problem we have at the moment, and it's, it's a matter of huge concern to me, uh, we have a civil service that's running the country, and we have ministers that are not standing up to the place and standing up to their civil servants. Is it the and civil servants or is it the NGOs that are running the country? Yeah, and I, I think NGOs have, a, have a, an inordinate um, uh, level of control or access through the Department of Foreign Affairs. We support an, an extraordinary number of NGOs in this country operating within the country and outside, uh, and I have difficulty with that. But the, the truth of the matter is, if governments want to run a piece of legislation through the houses, it's usually legislation that was drafted by the civil service. I'll give you an example, if I may. The Air Navigation and Transport Bill came to the Shannons, having successfully passed through the soil. The Irish Airline Pilots Association were totally opposed to it because it left out some key things for airline safety. I held that bill on my own for two and a half years until eventually I got the minister in charge to admit that actually the people who wrote the legislation were the people we were trying to regulate. Uh, and that is wow. what goes on in this house. That is what right, goes okay. on in this house. So we don't have the, the type of ministers and Tishi we used to have in the past who tell the civil service what to do. We but, now have a situation but we don't have robust service. debate anymore because we've seen in I'm the sure. houses of the Oireachtas and the Shannon, we've seen people like, say, Sharon Kogan. Okay, she's conservative and she's conservative views. I've spoke to Sharon a few times. She's a very nice lady and we've spoken to her. Uh, you may not agree with her views, but isn't that what debate is all about? But every time she stands up and says something, she's usually insulted or silenced. The same thing happens with the government. Anybody says anything about immigration, they're either insulted by being called an extreme right wing or they're silenced. The same thing has happened in the media. Anybody who speaks out, they're silenced, do they lose their job? I mean, we're seeing this constantly all the time, the lack of debate. And Eric, as part of AIM2, which is a party which, if the government had their choice, they would silence probably tomorrow because you're conservative. Does that concern you going forward with the hate crime legislation whereby if AIM2 says something, be it around transgenderism or gender ideology or immigration or whatever it happens to be, and somebody finds it offensive and says it's hate speech, you'll be silenced. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, that's what it looks like from reading uh, from reading through the, the the law that's been proposed. I suppose. Look, what AIM2 would like is look. We, we want to see a stable country. 
do we have a stable country now? I would say no. There's an awful lot of stuff going on. Uh, AIN2 would like to promote law and order. Uh, things like protecting private property. We, we, we need to listen to the people, not to dictate to the people. And for me, there's an awful lot of dictating to the people going on. Like, the, 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 green, the green agenda is dictating to us what we need to do. We need to get rid of cars. There was a talk last week about putting extra taxes on SUVs. We need to put, uh, we need to put buses and trains everywhere and shut down roads. Like, by, like Galway, uh, Senator Crockwell there is from Galway. And the bypass of Galway, I have cousins that live in Galway. Galway is an absolute hellhole for traffic. Oh, it but is. The bypass, <laughs> it's a hellhole for traffic, but the bypass was binned because the Greens said so. And they're, so basically, I'd say every single person in Galway probably wanted that bypass. But it's been binned, so that's what's happening. So, like, I was like, like we're talking about conservatism here, and uh, and I hope people don't think that the conservatism that's being espoused by Trump and DeSantos in America is what we will get here. It's not. What we want to see here is common sense. We want to see normal people living a normal life. So you reward the people that work. You reward the people that work. But you have mm. a you respect traditions, but you have a critical eye on those traditions. So what I mean, like, I want to go back to like you mentioned the church at the start of your conversation. You can respect what the church has done for the country, but you have to have a critical eye on it. You respect what charities do, but you need to have a critical eye on them. I'm very concerned with the power and the influence of being wielded by NGOs. I really, really am. They seem to have the ear of the governments. I'm a secondary school teacher, and I see how education has changed. So parents, pupils, and teachers give our input. It's, it's almost ignored, and they do what the third-level NGOs say. And next thing, so we had this whole thing about the junior cert. Again, I know we're going off topic slightly, but the teachers objected to parts of the new junior cert. We were concerned it would well, be Norma Foley on says it's coming in anyway, whether you want it or not. It, exactly. So it, it, it's happening. So we're, we're not being listened to. And you talked about that gripped in, media interview, Ben Scallon's uh, interview with Leo. And Leo said, yeah, there 70%, but we, look, we're not going to listen to those because that could be just a campaign. So that's, that's what I'm concerned about. We need to listen to the people. There's a difference between listening to the people and making decisions and being populist. And that's what, that's what I hope as a country, a and can bring or what maybe people of, of similar mind to us can bring to it. We want normal people to be rewarded. We, ha we have to help people in need, but we also have to challenge people in need to say, do you actually need all this help that you're getting? Is it right? But we help the people that are genuine. And it's a bit like the, the immigration thing we're talking about. Ireland, we should help people coming from tough parts of the world. People that are genuine asylum seekers, we should help. But we have to be, we have to actually examine people that are coming here illegally. Like well, we, we also could go to the extreme, like Australia, and some people would class that as being ruthless as well. So you don't want to go down that direction either. You want to be reasonable about how you deal with it. Exactly. Look, we have 2,000 passports found in the toilets in Dublin airport. So 2,000 people deliberately either had fake documents that they dumped or they dumped their passports to come in here. So there's obviously something concerning there. And to, look, who wants to have a tent village outside your house or in your area? No one wants it. So we have to be cognizant that Ireland can, can host X number of thousand refugees. Well, then that's the number we can bring in. If Ireland wants workers to come in, well, then we give them a visa. They come in, they get a job and they work. That the state isn't paying for them for months or years inside in direct provision centers. There are people there that want to work, but the system is set up to keep them dependent on the state. And we don't want that. I, I, no I, got, a, I got a complaint recently on the radio because a caller had said we need to look after our own. Do you believe that we need to look after our own line is racist or any, in any shape or form? Uh, it depends how it's delivered. But look, we have, like... But, but is, it, racist... is it? What, what's actually... I mean, don't get me wrong, unless you're saying something bad about refugees. Correct. To, to suggest that, you know, we need to look after our own... i give you an example. The reason it was said was this person had said that they knew somebody who'd been on the waiting list for a house for 10 years and they watched Ukrainians get in a modular home or something or whatever it was, okay? That was the point they were making. And they said, as much as they deserve... They, the Ukrainian people deserve to, you know, to be housed and looked after and, and welcomed and supported in whatever way possible, that if you're on the housing list 10 years, 
years and you've been paying taxes in this country all your life, that surely you should have some sort of preference or priority. Is, should that be the case? Uh, there is, look, there is definitely an element of truth to that. We had, we had thousands, we had all close to 10,000 people homeless in Ireland for years and we couldn't find accommodation for them, we couldn't do anything for them. But then when, like in the last two years when there was an international crisis, we managed to find accommodation for 70,000 people. So what, what, what but we didn't really, we, that, well, we didn't really, we put most of them in hotels. Well, it, I mean, well, that's exactly, not really well, accommodation, is it? Well, that's going to destroy our tourism industry as well. But I, I'm running out of time and I, and I want to get back to you, Jared, in relation to uh, Senator or Ron DeSantis. Um, you know, of course, he's protected by freedom of speech in the United States, which is the First Amendment, which is a, a lot more protection than we'll ever have. I don't know whether we should have that in our constitution. Maybe we should have some sort of referendum around that. But the, the hate crime legislation, which I, I mentioned there to Eric, have you read the legislation yourself? The hate crime legislation, currently the group I'm a member of, which includes Michael McDown, McDool, Ronan Mullen, Sharon Keoghan, uh, Victor Boyan, myself, we currently have researchers working on that and we will be opposing the bill because of the, its almost draconian uh, measures. Um, you know, the thoughts that I, I would have something stored in my house that might finish up having me charged with hate crime and stuff like this. I mean, we're, even we're if you never intended to use it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, people send me emails, Niall, every day of the week, and some of them are so absolutely outrageous yeah, and obnoxious. Yeah. I, um, I know. You know. I receive those too. <laughs> will, they yes. come in, will they come in and start going through my email and say, oh, you're, you're a proponent of hate speech? I, I Look, I, I, I think Eric has said it, I've said it, you've said it. A situation where somewhere close to 70% of the people of this country are against this legislation and they're using the whip in government to ram it through irrespective of what people think. And this is where the breakdown but, but, is in the but, but, but isn't this what I said? I come back to NGOs running the country because we know that, well, I certainly know, it's NGOs that want that legislation. Now, I, don't get me wrong. I could condemn hate speech. I condemn, you know, being personal online and having a go at somebody and name calling or whatever it happens to be. I condemn all of that. But people should be allowed to debate. For example, let me just give you a line. If somebody goes online, for example, and says, I don't believe a man can be a woman. Well, then I'm sure it's people who are transgender online might consider that to be hate speech. I don't want to see the person being locked up for having an opinion. I, I totally agree with you. I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with a word you're saying. Uh, I mean, we are going so far away from the norms, from the mores that uh, I grew up with. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm a bit older than both of you guys, but we, we are moving. And I, I actually pity people like Eric, who's in the secondary school system, who are going to have to contend with the change that's coming. And uh, Transgender is only one of the issues. Uh, LGBT is uh, an issue that will have to be going through vision of books because they contain offensive language to who were they offensive and and where's the offense in it some of those books are hundreds of years old didn't offend anybody over hundreds of years are we going mad altogether well i i have no issue with many of the books that they've recently pulled away because some of them contain slavery or whatever it is i think that's really important for people to know because if we don't learn from the past we'll never learn in the future but in relation to say some of the other things that ronda santez spoke about that we just listened to there a few minutes ago uh, senator cogwell in, in relation to say climate policy he wouldn't have a huge amount of respect for the green party in ireland and he heard eric mention the even only recently uh, the green party want to get rid of suvs most of which in this country only have two liter diesel engines anyway but i mean realistically it's climate policy 
policy doing a lot of damage to our economy and basically the quality of life that people are having where they're not even allowed to sell a bit of turf anymore or electricity bills and gas bills are gone through the roof, which is basically a direct result of climate policy, not just the war in Ukraine. Well, when you look at climate policy and when you look at the move, for example, to electric vehicles, and then you get video clips from uh, Africa and places like that for you, people mining cobalt with their bare hands, uh, you start to ask yourself, what is the actual carbon footprint of an electric car? I think an electric car will have to be somewhere close to 15 or 20 years old before it negates or before it balances out its carbon footprint. I, I, I believe I believe the figure actually is 120,000 kilometers. I, I remember reading this actually only recently. I think it's 120,000 kilometers on the car before it starts to have any benefit whatsoever because of the production and the manufacturing of the car itself. There you go. I mean, and most of the middle class Irish are getting rid of their cars after three years or changing their cars every three years. We tend to look at things in isolation and fail to look at the more global picture. And the green agenda is just one of these. I had speaking to some people recently about the reflooding of, of the bogland. And they're saying, you know, we, we, we grant aided the deflooding of bogland less than 20 years ago. Now we're trying to go back and reflood. It all seems to be. Do you remember less than 15 years ago? We were all told go by diesel cars. That's the that's, way that's, no, it, That was only 2007, by the way. The Green Party encouraged us all to get diesel cars. Now, now we're the worst polluters in the world for even thinking about having them. And by the way, diesel cars nowadays, of course, with the uh, the ad blue in it, are quite uh, good. Well, they're not as half anywhere close to what they were. They're actually, some of them are better than petrol cars uh, when it comes to emissions. But anyway, just to both of you before I finish this up, because I want to go to a couple of callers. Um, would you, well, let me ask you a very hypothetical question. Would you like to see somebody run the country like Ron DeSantis? Eric, you go right. first there. Point. Eric, you fire away. <laughs> um, Ron DeSantis, to me, has a number of policies that I would totally back. Um, now, he might go a bit far on some, but I can definitely put it this way. I would prefer Ron DeSantis to run the country than the Green, than the Green Party run the country. I've got into politics to make, the, make Ireland a better place for my children, as simple as that. And I just want to see normal, sensible decisions be made for sensible people. And that's what most of us are. And that's not what we're getting at the moment. Will Ron DeSantis will bring America back towards normal sensibility. And hopefully then he, he'll stop in the sense, he'll stop in the middle before uh, before shifting further to the right. So that's what I would hope. So yes, someone like Ron DeSantis is probably needed in America to, to counteract what has happened. And I would like to see Ireland, we need to start moving back towards the centre a bit as well. Um, Jared, I mean, Ron DeSantis, you know, a very traditional person, family man, Women's rights may suffer when it comes to things like abortion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, but other things which would be more conservative might be valued by some people. So, do you think he would make a good leader? Is that the type of leader Ireland needs? I don't think so. I think Ireland needs a strong leader who would epitomizes what Eric was talking about. Doesn't go too far to the left, too far to the right, but sticks in the middle ground. Has a, a respect for what we are and what we came from. Uh, but has the strength and courage to lead us through this period of change. I'm somewhat concerned that um, it, now you have to be either extremely right or extremely left to be seen uh, as a credible leader. And you can see what that has done to the people of the United States. More divided society, I don't believe you'll find anywhere in the world. 
so no, we we need a strong leader. If I was to go back, I would say maybe somebody like uh, Cosgrave, Cosgrave was a good leader in his time. Lamache was a great leader. In, okay. in my view, even but certainly he, he saw be... certainly he saw the housing crisis, didn't he? At the time, <laughs> he, of course, he, he was he, the first man bringing social from, housing. He moved us from an agricultural society to an industrial society almost seamlessly. Absolutely, uh, and um, you know Cosgrove, for what he was, he was an extremely conservative man in many ways. He voted against his own government, uh, which was a strength of character. And mm. I, I don't mind somebody having a different view. To mind, providing that they have the strength of character to see it through or argue their position. What's missing in Irish society, Niall, is we can no longer argue. And you chose my colleague Sharon uh, Kilgan a few moments ago. Sharon is very outspoken and has some very strong views. But we are in the houses of the, the, the Oireachtas here, the Parliament, and you should be able to express your views, argue your case, and not be castigated or run out of a committee. Or have personal insults. Like what or, you're seeing. Yeah. Or have personal insults made about it. We do. And thank you very much indeed, Senator Jared Cogwell. And also thank you very much indeed to Eric Nelligal from Maine, too. I appreciate both of you coming on the air talk to me today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, let me go to one or two callers as well. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can. It's 85 55 That's 85 55 We talked about a lot there, by the way. We talked about climate policy, abortion, um, gender ideology, or um, we also talked about um, the conservative views and the freedom of speech. And all this is based on the fact that, of course, Ron DeSantis in America has said that he is running for presidency. Some people say he's too conservative. Others will say, well, that's what we need. We need to swing the pendulum back the other way a little bit. Let me know what you think. The number, as I said, if you want to WhatsApp is 85 Let me go to my uh, my regular lefty, Greg, or sorry, Greg, Graham Manning. How are you doing? Oh, for some reason I don't have him there. Graham, are you there? Nice. You're in silence there, Matt. I can't hear you. Oh, I do apologize. I'll tell you what, Graham, I'm going to have to reset those phones um, because for some reason there I can't hear either one of you. Um, and I'm going to come back to both of you. So just give me uh, two seconds there and I'll reset those phones for you. All right. And we'll get them both back on the line again. I do apologize for that. Um, and just to mention as well, Ronda Santos has entered the race. Uh, in case you didn't know, he did a live space, which was the largest, by the way, online community last night ever recorded. Now, they had a lot of problems because and I don't think Elon Musk would be too happy with his staff this morning, but mind you, the servers weren't expected to hold nearly a million people in one particular space and one particular room, but what happened last night was it crashed about 12 times. Eventually, they had to move it to another room or another space, but they did eventually uh, get a speech from Ron DeSantis. Now, I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to just play that there for you just to give you a quick listen to what Ron DeSantis said and maybe we could just stick that on there in a, uh, for a second and uh, for those by the way who don't know he's 44 years of age and he comes I suppose he's the latest crowded in the crowded Republican contest there's a lot of Republicans in there by the way can I just point out a lot of Republicans um, those already in there are Nikki Haley Tim Scott Asa Hutchinson just uh, let's just play the clip of what Ron DeSantis actually said well, let's see. So, yeah, Governor, there's been a lot of speculation over the last couple of months about your your plans. Um, I understand that you may have an announcement to make. Uh, we've got, I think, a, a record audience assembled here. Uh, you know, the, probably the biggest uh, room that's probably ever been assembled online. I, what, what would you like to tell them? Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes. 
and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle-class lifestyle. And our president, well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. We must restore sanity to our nation. This means embracing fiscal and economic sanity. Stop pricing hardworking Americans out of a good standard of living through inflationary borrow print and spending policies. And please embrace American energy independence. This also means replacing the woke mind virus with reality, facts, and enduring principles. Merit must trump identity politics. We must return normalcy to our communities. America's a sovereign country. Our borders must be respected. We cannot have foreigners pouring into our country illegally by the millions. We cannot allow drug cartels to poison our population with fentanyl. Well, there you go. That's what he had to say last night when they eventually got the space work. And let me go back to Graham now because I actually think I might have him. Now, Graham, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Niall. Graham. in the back garden. How are you getting on? Good. I mean, look, Trump was mad as a brush. We know that. You know, but a conservative. Ron DeSantis... Not quite he as was, he wasn't the conservative. He pretended to be one. Well, okay, Ron DeSantis, not quite as mad. He's a little bit more charismatic. He's a good speaker, there's no doubt about it. But his conservatism, it will it swing the pendulum too far the other way? Uh well, I, I disagree with most of that, to be honest. Um I in terms of charisma, I sorry, there's a broke brush out here next to the garden has more charisma than that. <laughs> Trump has more charisma. Trump has more charisma, much as I detest the person of it, predictably. But Trump has more charisma than DeSantis. DeSantis, DeSantis oh, you DeSantis come on. you got to be joking. I mean, DeSantis, you might not agree with him, but he's, he seems like a statesman. No, he does not. Okay. Not in any way. At all. Okay. Uh, Let's look at the issues he points out. Immigration in America. A lot of the stuff, we're seeing it all across Europe and other countries as well. So he talks about those individual items. I mean, we'll come to those just one by one. Immigration policy. Republican checking um, talking points and fear-mongering and stuff like that. He demands a caricature. Now, it's American politics for pretty much anyone who does well in American politics points is a caricature by definition at this point. Um, but you can, before he says anything, you know what he's going to say. No, I'd say the same thing about... Well, you, the, you can say the same thing about liberal say. governments and liberal leaders, too. They, before they open uh, yeah, their mouth, you know what they're going to say, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I just, no, I tend to agree with more of what they're going to say. <laughs> of course, Not everything, of course you do. But, I mean, there's no doubt Ron DeSantis has picked his enemy as well. I mean, he picked Disney as his enemy. Uh, you know, the people of the state of Florida hate Disney anyway, so I mean, that's all fairly good. Um, now, he's against what, no, what he calls woke it's ideology. He's cast thousands of jobs in Florida. Yeah, but, but, Disney, but Disney have been getting away with paying no tax in the state for how many years? I mean, they're pulling... It's a company from Singapore raking in billions. Anyway, look, leave, yeah, that, leave that aside. It's America. Every corporation does that. Okay, leave, leave Disney aside for the moment. I suppose what he's going after is the woke, what he calls the woke ideology. But that's, that's him sucking up the second Elon Musk and other... Tools. Uh, was it that walk mind virus? He's the one that made that up. I mean, jeez, idiotic nonsense. Um, the idea that walk is some insult. Um, I mean, if you're going to insult someone, at least put a bit of imagination into it. Look, DeSantis, no, no one even vaguely approaching that. 
will ever get elected here. So it, it, the analogy is like America politically is off the second deep end in a variety of ways on both sides. I, I wouldn't see any, uh, if Biden ran here um, on what his actual policies were, he wouldn't get elected either. Um, but, is but, it, so but isn't the problem, if we, if we look at America, the problem is politics in America is divided to the extreme. There is no middle ground. You've got the Republicans and the Democrats. And, and they've always, there has been suggestions in the past there should be a third party somewhere in the middle, which would be the ideal choice for people. But when we look at Ireland, for example, and we look recently, and I think you have even agreed in relation, say, to the hate crime bill or other bills that have been passed or are being passed in this country. There is a level of, yeah, we, do, we don't care what people think. Uh yeah, I think it's most apparent in relation to that bill. Um, do I think some of the people might support him out of the best of intentions and not actually read the second thing? Um, and thought, oh yeah, hating is bad, you should be able to do that. And I'm like, yeah, well, no, you should be allowed to hate. If you want to hate, you're allowed. As long as like, we've had this conversation before. Yeah, but, the, but there's no balance. Yeah, but, the, yeah, but there's no balance in Irish politics. This is the problem as well. At the there moment... Balance, just, there's not a balance in that. No, there isn't. I mean, I, when I go back, I'm older than you. But look, hang on, Graham. I'm older than you. When I go back in time, when people voted in elections in this country, you had Labour, you had, you know, who were the working class, or they fought for the working class and the trade unions, etc., etc. You had Fianna Fáil, who were a very conservative government at the time. You even had the progressive Democrats, who were somewhere kind of in the middle as well at the time. Fine Gael were always left-leaning, right? So you had, at least you had a choice. Now you have... I wouldn't go far as Fianna Gael as left now. Let, let's exclude the Green Party because they're mainly just a bonus package, right? But you have the three main parties there. Forget about Labour. They're practically gone. They're just fighting just to stay relevant. Yeah. So you've got Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil yeah. and Sinn Féin who are all basically saying the same thing. There's no opposition anymore. They would disagree on individual policies but would I see a huge gap between the parties? No, I wouldn't. But, but that's a bit unfair um, on the that's not that's not democracy, is it? That's a bit unfair on the people because if you, know, you don't agree with certain things when well, you don't have a party to vote for. Well, you know, it is because, sorry, I mean, compared to America, which literally has two parties, I know there's a few other silly ones, but they have two. That's, you know, be realistic. There, nothing else exists. I mean, and Aaron, we've already mentioned about at least five, or you've already mentioned at least five or yeah, six, but the, but, a few other small Yeah, but they're all seen from the same hymn sheet. People just, but if people, just, because the vast majority of the population agree with that hymn sheet now. Uh, you, uh, but in your view, they do. In your world, they do, Graham. In your world. In two, don't are a one party or a one TV party. Absolutely. For a second reason. No, right? but, well, no, hang, no, no. To be fair to Ain Two, they're only new. Give them a chance. It takes it takes a political party years to develop, so they're only new. Give them a chance. But 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 hang on. But they are representative. We we have to when we look at democracy as a whole, we have to be representative. For example, let's take the abortion debate just as an example, right? Okay, it was sixty-seven percent to thirty-three percent of the people who decided to get out that day and vote. That's fair enough. But we still have to remember that 33% of the people in this country didn't agree with it. So when we review the legislation, we've got to be mindful of that as well. And out of the 67% of people that voted it, there was probably about 50% of those who voted based on the legislation we agreed on at the time. So we've got to be mindful of all those things. But sometimes I find Irish, the Irish government is not mindful. I find the Irish government is like railroading everything. You're not going to get me to, uh, to come on here and start defending the equality against there. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I've never voted for him. I don't think I ever will. Um, but the idea that there isn't options in Irish politics, there is. The options exist because they reflect what people actually vote for. If you know, I'm using. I don't want to pick a name. So if you want to pick uh, some other, um, some other, like 
proper far right parties. That people, before, people for no profit, yeah. I mean, they're just swinging from side to side no, anyway. That would, be, that would be left. But no, I'm talking about the ones that actually get no one elected at Freedom Party and not other second Oh, well, no, well, that's only good statue, yeah, yeah. They never get anyone elected for the, a reason. But that we have because they go their, too far. Their policies would be far closer to second Ron DeSantis than anybody No, else. not at all, and, not, not at all. Actually, just yeah. say, well, stay there, Greg, for a second. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me go to Bernie as well. Bernie, you're on uh, the Nyboiling Podcast. How are you doing, Bernie? Um, I don't. I I don't agree. I I I like to have the country back about twenty years ago, the way it was, the way it was growing, the way it was becoming. It was reflective of the people who were trying to get better. Mm. I don't know where it has gone wrong, but it's gone tragically wrong. This country has gone the completely opposite way to what our dreams and aspirations were starting out. But we have to we have to respect the fact that countries evolve, society evolves. If we go back, say, 30 years ago, we had no divorce, we had no abortion. And now I know 67% of the population voted wanted it, so that has to be the way it is. But a lot of the things that we have now, we wouldn't have. Now, I am agreeing with you. I do sometimes do believe the pendulum swings too far. Um, but I, I think going back when religion had a kind of iron fist hold over the country, that probably wasn't the right thing too. There were good times, but there was a lot of stuff went, went wrong then too. Yeah. And that's fine. But I mean, OK, so what about the people who didn't agree with abortion? What, where's their view? Where, where's their view moving don't forward? What about, the people who do, what about the people who don't agree with LGBT uh, ideologies? And, you know, where's their view? They've been shut down, been called names. We have rational. All I mean, I don't created equal. You don't get to be a bigot just because you want to be. What, what's, what's, what do you mean when you say a bigot, Graeme? That's a bit unfair. So, so if somebody like Bernie no, turns around and says, "I don't want, don't agree with LGBTQ ideology," sorry. Well, I, I don't think she specifically talked about a part of it. But if somebody turns around, for example, and says, "I don't agree with the idea of children being prescribed puberty blockers," which Senator Cogwell talked about there a few minutes ago, and he didn't agree with it, all of a sudden you're anti-LGBTQ. I don't yeah, agree. With that. I don't agree with it. That would be anti-trans. No, but I don't agree with it. I don't agree with giving a child puberty blockers. Me, I, I don't think it, I think it's completely wrong. 18 years of age. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but we're not even allowed to have that debate anymore, Graeme. No, we're not. No, and that's wrong. That's, Why not am I not that's, not what, that's not what the other speaker said. She said, anti-LGBTQ, you didn't agree with that ideology. Sorry, that is just code for your not. No, no, because I think what Bernie is saying is when you use the words LGBTQ+, it's basically, we're, we're seeing it as a community or a group of people. It is part, that particular conversation is part of that group of people because, I mean, LGBTQ+, is a political movement. It really is. Let's be clear about that's it. That's what it looks like. Nothing. Some aspects of it. Well, 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 hang on. Well, hang on. Some aspects of it I have no issue with. And by the way, I voted yes for you know same-sex marriage. Some aspects of it I have no absolutely no issue. I have no issue with a person's sexual orientation. I have no issue with an eighteen-year-old if he wants to change gender. You fire away. I'm quite happy. I respect that. That's okay. But I do have certain issues. For example, with encouraging children. I do have certain issues with giving puberty blockers to children. I'm just telling you. I don't. So you. So you don't. So, how oh, would you stop out of that? No, children well, trying to, children of being trans, or 16-year-old trans person, 17-year-old trans people exist. Right? And it is proved by every scientific data that reaffirming, that stopping gender-affirming care is going to do infinitely more. I, and you don't, you, you don't, and you don't have it, you don't, you don't question the fact that suddenly we've had a six or seven hundred percent increase in the amount of children that seem confused about their gender. 
Okay, so well, well, hang on, well, hang on. You don't believe that's a social contagion as well. There's an element of social contagion about that, clearly, isn't there? I would just stop. No kid, Graham. Will you start? Come on, come on, Graham. Well, well, hang on. Let Bernie finish what she said. Let's move away from that aspect of it. There's many other aspects of conservatism, anyway. Sorry, Bernie. Go ahead. I, I, I'm just, that's what, that's what upsets me, the way that man has gone on, like, pushing his ideas. I'm not pushing mine. I'm just, I just like proper answers. I want proper issues discussed. I haven't, like, look at the issue of the child that was beaten up in Navin the other day. Why, where is the uniform protocol there? Where is, how do parents send the child in with the wrong uniform on? Everybody, you know, and expect him not to stand out. I mean, no, his, his his parents are responsible. He's a 14-year-old boy. This is me. I'm just saying to you, Graham, I, I respect your view. I'm just saying, as a ch- as a mother of a children who went to school, I made sure they wear the proper uniform every but time. But Bernie, I I, I I don't I don't disagree with the point you're making. But what I'm saying to you is, nobody under any circumstances could give any excuse for what happened to that poor child. No, I don't. Exactly. It, it I don't care if you went to school in the nip. Two, two or three feels like it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, that is wrong, and I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I agree that he shouldn't. That should never have happened. So the policies in the school have to be looked at as to why that it was allowed to happen. I wouldn't, you know, I, I respect if you want to be a female or a male or whatever you want to be, that's your choice in life. It's not mine. I want to be a female. I'm happy to be a female. But I respect that if anything happens, I do, I, I'm not going to stand out. I want to I want to be part of society, not in a group that's going to dictate to me. Yeah, I, I, I do understand what you're saying, but I, I also Very do right. agree with Graham in respect to that. But I be, if you want to be an individual as well, and you want to have your own view of life, and you want to, as long as you don't hurt anybody else in the process, you should be entitled to do that yeah, too. Exactly. So if I if I want to walk down the road, you know, in a dress tomorrow, I should be entitled to yeah. do it without being beaten up. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to do it because that's not my bag, but I should be entitled to do it as well, Bernie. Yeah, it's like I, yeah, I'm walking around right now. I'm a forty-something-year-old man with uh, bald head and painted second fingernails. <laughs> right? so, uh, I've got pink on one hand and orange on the other. My niece just had great crack over the weekend. If she, if someone decides, oh God, he, he's gay, I'm gonna no. I get to do it. That is not harming. Absolutely. No, no, no. no I, 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 I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm actually agreeing with you with that, Greg. But, but I do understand the point that Bernie is making. Not in relation to, by the way, bullying in a general sense. That sometimes it's impossible to have debate because as soon as you even suggest something or you don't agree with something, you're shot down. We've seen it with Sharon Kogan in the Oireachtas. She gets shot down oh, and she gets attacked. I, well, I mean, that, well, that's your view, and that's perfectly fine. You don't agree with her, but what I'm saying, or you might not agree with Jared Crogwell, but what I'm saying to you is. You still have to listen to the other side. I listen to you. Yes, but you don't. I know. I know you listen to you now, and we can be respectful and talk about it. That doesn't mean all views are not created equal. There are some views which are hateful, which are wrong, and I'm not going to smile and nod and agree. If someone has the right to have them, but that doesn't mean I have to respect those views. I respect the person, but I don't have to respect the views. If someone is homophobic, I don't respect that, and I'm not going to ever. Okay, well, 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 let me first, well, hang on, stay there for a second. Let me just go to James as well. James, uh, you're on the Nile Bottom podcast. How are you doing, James? Afternoon, Auntie Niles. James, I, I, in general sense, let me just fo- not just focus on one aspect of it. You know, you've seen Ron DeSantis. Everybody knows who he is at this stage. He's become quite famous over the last couple of years as a governor in Florida and some of the laws that he brought in. He's very, very conservative. Do you believe Ireland would benefit from a, a conservative government like Ron DeSantis, or do you believe that would be a bad thing? A step backwards. I think it would be a wonderful thing now. I think, you know, as Bernie said there before, Graham shouted over her on numerous occasions because he's not getting his way. Before he shouted over you because he's not getting his way. Well, then again, it's the Liberals, Nile. They, 
you know, they, they're afraid to have a, a conversation or debate. It's their way, the highway. And as he said himself, you know what I mean? It's, terrified, you know, it's, his, it's his, his opinion and all opinion. But anyway, no, I think it would be a wonderful thing, personally, for this country. Like, um, as Bernie mentioned, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And as you, something you touched on, Nile, when you mentioned about the abortion referendum, I voted yes. And the reason why I voted yes, because they said that would be up to 12 weeks. And that would be a, a three to four day, if you want to call it a cooling off period. That's all gone. Well, it's so gone. Well, no, it's not. Like, no, it's not gone yet. It's being reviewed currently oh. by. Um, but, uh, the you know the report was given to the government last week, and and Michael Martin said he's going to wait uh, for the review uh, to be considered. Yeah. But but Leo Varadkar, mind you, know, you we, know, in fairness, Leo Varadkar, he did say he would be uncomfortable changing the law. Well, Leo Varadkar said in 2011 now that he was dead against it, and then suddenly four or five years later, you know, he's for it. Like. That's kind of one issue that a lot of people... It, it, that would be a very, very, very hard issue to change your opinion on. You know what I mean? Because you're either one way or the other on that issue. Now, I, you know what I mean? I would be pro-choice. You know what I mean? I would be pro-choice. When this, when this was put to, to the people, I looked at it and I said, you know what? This is okay. And then suddenly the review is up five years later and they're looking to change. They're looking to scrap the 12 weeks push her up to 24 weeks or 22, 22 weeks. weeks yeah. The three-day period where a woman would go into a doctor, and only women can have babies, by the way, just let's just emphasize that to Graham, there's only two genders. Yeah, yeah, there's so, I, so. yeah pregnant persons, sorry, yeah. No, there's no such thing as a pregnant person, no. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's only, there's only um, two genders, male and female, so let's just no, that's sex, find man. that down now. Science, that's I don't, I don't think Graham agrees with you there, but no, I mean... Graham, and Graham being no, a teacher, he should actually agree. know that, but that's that yeah. shows what sort of teacher you could anyway. Yeah, sorry, do you, do you, I'm, I'm curious. Do you, do you teach science, Graham, as well, yeah? No, no, I don't. Okay, lucky enough, really, isn't it? Ah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, thank God, Noel. Okay, God, well, well hang on. I, I will let Graham to respond to everything you've said in a second, but go on. Yeah, so, no, I think personally, Noel, I think if we went back, you know, to a more conservative society, like, look, look just look at society. Could, but could, yeah, but could that go too far? Because I certainly wouldn't want to go back to a time where the Catholic Church were banning books when it mentioned the word abortion. I wouldn't like to no, go back no, to the time where I people were vilified for having a baby outside a wedlock. I wouldn't like that. That was conservatism as well. That was ultimate conservatism. No, I don't think we'd ever go back to that. But I think what we need to do somewhere along the line is, mean, is have a happy medium. Like in, in, as you okay, well, okay, well, 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 I'm running out of time, but because I want to go to Billy as well. Uh, is that not a fair point, Graham? He's giving you halfway here. In other words, he's saying a happy medium. I mean, you can't have everything your own way, Graham. You know what I mean? Uh, we, Niall, if we ever, if we had everything my way, you uh, wouldn't recognize the country next. Yeah, well, <laughs> you'd but, be traumatized. Uh, but the simple thing of look, Ireland is not a conservative country. If it hasn't been a conservative country for a while. It's not going to be a conservative country again because any conservative party that runs fails miserably. But there isn't a conservative party running. But there isn't a conservative. What are you talking about? There's no conservative party running. I've just said it. Sinn Féin, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, they're the main three parties. The rest are, forget about them. Um, The rest... Because the majority... No, it's because those parties have changed. Look at Fianna Fáil. Look at the way Fianna Fáil has changed over the last 15 years because of pressure from NGOs. Because they don't have a choice. Where's the choice? No. There is alternative people won't vote for... But they do. They vote for independence. No, no, because they... No, the alternatives of voting for independence, which people do, by the way. Yeah. 
they do. Yeah. But there is, that often, now, are you seriously thinking, now, the significant number of politicians I just could see entirely self-serving, out for their own end, changing what they think, because that's what they think the majority of people uh, like. I do believe politicians are self-serving, by the way. Yeah. And, and speaking, um Neil Martin and stuff as well, equal opportunity to have a big off. I do think they change their views, not because they actually change them, because they want to get elected. Yeah. So you think these self-serving politicians would see, oh, wait a second, there is this conservative bloc who will vote for it, and they wouldn't change their views to suit those? They would do it but, in a but no, well, 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 if that's, well, if that's the case, Graeme, well, if that's the case, Graeme, why recently... Uh, you know, and, and even you, as an extreme liberal and lefty, have said you don't agree with the hate speech laws. Why are politicians encouraging all of their their members? One hundred and ten of them voted for this particular legislation they've never even read. Uh, why? So why did all three parties go with this legislation when they can clearly see nobody agrees with it? Not, why? That's not. Yeah, they, well, that, does that they prove do to not, they're listening? They they're not listening. Because if they do it on mass, they're not listening. They're not listening. So why? Agreed. So but if they want, if they want populism, why doesn't one of them come out? Either Leo, Michal, Eamon Ryan, Mary Lou. Why doesn't one of them come out and say, "Well, actually, in fairness, I don't agree with this legislation. I've actually just read it. It's Orwellian." Because <laughs> Leo won't do it, Michal won't do it, Eamon Ryan won't do it. Because the slightest disagreement in their party, in any one of their party, they lose one TD at the end of their fucking government, and they know the next time there's an election, they're going to get butchered. But but I see I get the I get the impression from James he has a balanced view in life. You may not agree with some of the points he's made, but I get the impression from you, Graham, it's your way or the highway. Uh, it's not. Well, it, well, it is. I mean, I'm, I, not, I'm not arguing that. You're, you brought me on here to say what I think. Tell you what I think. Okay, you're literally asking for opinion now. Okay, no, well, I, I am. I, 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 but hang on, I do want. Uh, hang on, I do want to go to Billy as well, and I need to go to Anna Cavan in a second from Longford. But but stay there, please, Anna, if you can. I got to go to Billy just to finish up on this particular issue. Uh, Billy, how you doing? You're on the Nile Boylan podcast. Nile, how are you keeping? Um, Billy, you've been listening to Graham, uh, and I, I don't know, see, I'm a conservative, but I, I don't know whether I believe a conservative co- government as, Niall, a, as powerful as Ron DeSantis, for example, would be good for the state. Niall, I don't think what, you know what you're in this country, to be fair, you specifically, your ideology, your, your, your political spectrum is a little bit off the wall. Okay. So I, I sent in a very helpful graphic for you there so you can All learn... Right. Where the different political parties. I don't need to learn now. There's no need to be patronising either, Billy. I don't need to oh, learn, but I'm, but you might not I'm, agree I'm, with me. That's fine. Uh, no, no, no. You, you can, but like, what does what does conservatism mean in this country? Like that that's the that's the well, well, well conservatism here. changes. Great, it changes. But there's a great quote, Niall. If you're not a liberal when you're young, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative when you're old, you have no brain. So the people who are saying this country was going great 15 years ago, they were probably liberals back 15 years ago. And they've aged, and their 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 ideas the, have isn't that what I just said? In their mind, in their mind, they're still set fifteen years ago because things were great fifteen years ago. And, and I did, and I did say that to Bernie when she said she'd like to go back to twenty years ago. And I said, "Well, look, there was there was, there was good and bad in there too. You know what I mean? Do we and really want to go back to mother and baby homes? Do we really want to go back to teachers slapping good. kids? You know what I mean? But there's if if you I would say now that you if you looked at most things in this country now. You'd agree that the majority of things today are better than they were 20, I would agree. thirty years ago. I would agree. The majority. You'd look of at things. the empl- you'd look you'd look at employment rates where we have two hundred or two two point six million people in full time employment. Absolutely. We have we have we have no unemployment in this country currently at the moment. Yeah. Unless we you want to be unemployed. We have the only we have the only economy in Europe that is in growth 
that was in near double-digit growth last year that saved the eurozone from going into recession. But that, that's a, that's a miracle. And these, if, if but I, you're if also I, missing if, that people are struggling at the moment with the cost of living crisis. Well, let, let me let me get to that, Niall, Right? If we said that in a conservative state in America, with those figures, they will go nuts. If Ron DeSantis had, well, I'm sure he has made claims like that about Florida. I don't know for sure, but those type of high-level facts. That, that rings true to conservatives. That's music to conservatives' ears. Now, as you said, there is issues here. But if you go to America, if you go to Texas, which is a conservative state, and you go to Florida, which is a conservative state, there is homelessness, there is drug dealing, there is crime problems everywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a problem the world over. And you've, you've seen it. You've been in America. I was in Texas last year. I was shocked walking but, down 6th but, Street in Austin with homeless people just sleeping, on, not even having a shelter to go to, not, not even having tents. Florida, I mean, I mean when you have to take into consideration Florida, Florida alone is six times the population of Ireland. But I, I know, but you know I mean? I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, using, I'm using Austin and Texas as a, as a specific example, and I'm, mm. you know, I, I'm not going to call, call into account the population issues. What I'm saying is these are conservative places that have problems that are just as bad, if not worse, as we have here. Okay, they, they do. They do. I, I'm not suggesting government. for a minute they don't have economic problems. They absolutely do. And economic I don't. I, and social. And, and social problems. Social. Okay, but 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 let, let's deal with one or two issues just quickly because I, I'm conscious of the fact that I have somebody waiting to come on the air in relation to something we talked about the day before yesterday. But you mm-hmm. know, Gray, Graham obviously is a liberal leaning. Um, I don't. I think Billy, you're somewhere in the middle. I, I don't believe you're. I'm, I'm I'm very I'm very much a centrist, and I'll I'll hold my hands up and say that. And sometimes mm. I will be attacked for having a view that runs counter to the liberal view because you know on the liberal side people do seem to want. A hundred percent change, and they want. But let me, let me give you a brief example. No. J- James, the taxi driver, who was on there a second ago, said that he voted yes. Uh, he considers himself pro-choice, and he voted yes based on the legislation yep. the government gave in abortion, right? But yes, we're now seeing five years later, so that's not good enough. And even half of those people, I'm guessing, who voted yes, probably said, I'll vote yes because that's a nice piece of legislation. 12 weeks is reasonable. Three-day cooling-off period, for example, is reasonable, you know, when it comes to abortion. But now, all of a sudden, that's not good enough anymore. You know, you've got well, the no, liberal or the left-leaning people. What they, they, well, that's what they're saying. They want rid of the three-day period. They want rid of conscientious objection. And they want, rid, they want not, rid of the 12 weeks. Unfortunately, Niall, that's not what the vote was on. The vote at oh, the I, time I, oh, was... Oh, I'm well aware of that. I, no, hang on. I, I told people on the radio that at the time. I'm well aware exactly. of that. But they were so promised by the people, government, this is the legislation if you vote yes. But you see, the thing about it is governments change over time. I know. And the people who are running it change over time. And we, as a country, voted 67% to 33% to remove the Eighth Amendment, which gave the power to the legislators to change the legislation. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I warned people this, of that at the time. But but people uh, but took the government means, at their word. What this means, Niall, that if, if in the future a Ron DeSantis-type character oh, he could ban party yes. in, in this country came to power, it could swing 100% the opposite Absolutely. way. And that would be the way it would go. Okay, but, okay so... Do you think, just very quickly before I uh, go to Anna, do you, do you believe that a Ron DeSantis type government or a conservative government like Ron DeSantis, which is probably even more conservative than Donald Trump, do you believe that would be beneficial or bad for Ireland? I don't think it would ever get in in Ireland. Not in, not, not in the next 20 or 30 years. I don't think a, 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 an American Republican style government would ever come to power here. I think the country is very, very different. Mm. We're not as, thankfully, at this stage, we are not as fractured. Our, our form of parliamentary democracy, our, 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 our um, PTS, or P, 
proportional representation by single transferable vote would probably mean that type, a, a party like that would not get elected. All right, listen, listen, Billy, thank you for that. And Graham, thank you as well for joining us. I've got to go very quickly if I can. Uh, going back to the conversation we had on Tuesday, we were talking about abortion. And I want to go to Anna Kavanagh from Longford, who is the founder member uh, and uh, conveyor to the Alliance of Birth Mothers Campaign for Justice, or Campaigning for Justice, should I say. Uh, Anna, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall, and thank you for having me as your guest today. And what is it you wanted to come on specifically to talk about? I mean, you were obviously uh, listening or you uh, were, were heard about our conversation the day in relation to abortion and the review that the government has have that Leo Varadka seems uncomfortable with, but Mian Martin says, we'll look at it. I, I, I think our wires have got ever so slightly crossed. Okay. Uh, that's not, uh, that's not, um, I didn't come on to speak about abortion. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yes, so... Um, I um, I suppose uh, uh, what I have come on to speak about is um, the um, group that um, I am the founder member of and advocate on behalf of now. It's the Alliance of Birth Mothers Campaigning for Justice. Okay. And we advocate for mothers and children who are um, having difficulties with Tussle, the family law court. Oh, okay. I do apologise. Sorry. Yes. Not at all. Not at all. I I think perhaps it, it might you might have felt that it um, had to do with Catherine Corliss and the interview that you did with her in relation to the tomb babies. Oh right. Because there there yes I, there is a link there there is a connection there because the, there's an unbroken chain of state abuse of mothers and their children that just didn't end with the mother and baby homes is continues right up to the present day and we had a press conference yesterday in Dublin that was addressed by Deputy Bernard Durkin and uh, by a number of other deputies as well including Deputy Padder Tobin and Deputy Rader Cronin and um, so I'll just tell you a little bit about our group it was formed in 2019 and uh, we uh, submitted a 13,000 word report to every member of the DAW uh, based on uh, extensive research that uh, we had conducted on the mothers that uh, were contacting us. And uh, we discovered that the uh, vast majority of mothers who had their children taken by Tusley into state care were actually victims of domestic violence and the children were taken from them um, for either of two reasons. Either one, the mothers were blamed for exposing their children to this domestic violence, or secondly, uh, Tustin was saying that the mothers were um, so badly affected by domestic violence that uh, they, it rendered them incapable of parenting their children. Or as they say, an, un and an unfit parent or an unfit mother. That's just not the line exactly. they use. Yes. Yes. And um, the other reasons why the children were taken into care, for example, uh, mothers who had grown up in state care were told that they lacked parental capacity because of the fact that they had been in institutional care as children and therefore wouldn't be fit parents. Uh, we had mothers who had children with special needs and when they went to Tusley seeking help, and when that help wasn't forthcoming and they were putting more pressure on Tusla, Tusla responded by taking their children into care. Uh, 
we had mothers come to us who um, were homeless and their children were taken from them. And then because they had no children, the uh, the housing they, they authority down on the, then you know, put them... Down on the priority exactly. list. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yes, so you, yeah, exactly. Okay. It's, it's, it seems now, like a vicious cycle they end up in then, in that situation. Yes. Rather than taking, still yes. taking into consideration that although they may not have the children in their care at the, at the time, they still do have children and should remain on the priority list as somebody with children. Yes, mm. exactly. Um, then there were mothers um, uh, who had gone through difficult divorces or break up with a partner and uh, they were reported to Tusla uh, by uh, these coercive men uh, and false allegations were made against the mothers, and Tusla listened uh, to these um, to these men, and so the children uh, were removed from their care. And I suppose how many? But sorry, that, sorry for interrupting, Anna. But how many children uh, at any one time would be in care of the state by Tusla, or a ward of the court, or whatever it happens to be, and would be in foster care or put out of foster care? How many children at any one time in this country? Just, ju- just under six thousand. Wow, children. I didn't think it was that Are high. Yes, yes. And um, now, in, in a lot of cases, can we be clear in saying a lot of cases, those children need to yes. be in care and need to be away from the parents yes. because the parents are dysfunctional. So there are cases where parents are dysfunctional. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there's nobody um, will, will um, argue with that. And in fact, I would go so far as to say that there are children that need to be taken into state care that are not. That are not. Absolutely. They're in dysfunctional homes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, but you see, our experience is that um, Tusla go for soft targets. So they they go after mothers who are parenting on their own. It's very, very mm. rare for them to remove children from a couple. Right. And uh, the, the other major issue... Well, that, that kind of takes us back then to what we were talking about yesterday, the way, you know, single mothers were treated in Ireland going back, you know, 40 years ago. So in other words, what you're yes. saying is there's still remnants of that there in the way they're being treated. 100%. Yeah. And what we say is the unbroken chain of state abuse of mothers and children continues to the present day. Now, I want to get on to this other issue, and it's an issue that Deputy Bernard Durkin has raised close on 20 times in the Dáil since last September. And, of course, people may not be aware of this, but all of this happens in the family court uh, that is held in camera, which means that um, what's uh, going on in the court uh, cannot be reported on. So this is all happening behind the scenes. And uh, mothers who report child sex abuse to the Gardaí, that is then passed over to Tusla. Then the court appoints what's called um, an expert. And what's actually happening in the in the family courts is that these experts, in many cases, have no qualifications whatsoever. And um, Primetime Investigates did a programme um, quite recently um, where it showed that anybody can put up a, a brass plate on a door and of call course. themselves a an psychologist. Or an expert of some description yeah. when it comes yes. to children. So, yes. So uh, what we have is um, a number of experts operating in the family law court and uh, they, when the mother reports child sex abuse, um, the expert then is appointed by the court and he will then say that the mother is guilty of what's called parental alienation 
And we, 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 we also have to admit that does happen too. That can happen too. No, I mean, can, there are genuine can, cases, can, Anna. I don't know what I, no, what I do want to say this because while you're talking about that, uh, because I'm familiar with other cases that we've spoken about on the air, and there are a lot of genuine cases where children are being abused and the mother will report that and not be listened to. But there are also genuine cases where that can be used as a tool in the family law courts to keep a father out of the situation too. So that in both, it's a, it's a kind of, there's a tightrope you walk there to try and find out the truth, isn't there? Can I say to you that um, the UN Rapporteur for uh, Violence Against Women and Children published a report on the 13th of May where she con conducted uh, research uh, across a wide range of countries, including Ireland. And what she found is that uh, mothers who report child sex abuse are being found uh, guilty of parental alienation and their children are being removed from them and they're being handed over to the perpetrator of of, of this sexual abuse. And, um, and that would be shocking, Anna. That would be shocking if yes. that was to happen. And that is happening. That is I have, happening. And I have no doubt that yes. is happening. But I, yes. but I do want to be fair because I know there are a lot of fathers listening today yes. who are victims of parental alienation yes. and who have had yes. false allegations made against them purposely for that reason to keep the children away from them. Yes. You know, and I, I, I spoke yes. to a man one night and his best friend took his life because he had been back and forward to court. His wife had made accusations against him, which he claimed were completely untrue. And he had lost uh, you know, access to his children for over three years and he took his own life. So I, I'm cognizant of the fact that yes. there, there's both sides of that story too. But I am listening to what you're saying well, and I'm not dismissing it. And I support 100% what you're saying mm. because either um, next week or certainly early in June, a judgment is uh, going to be um, published um, in the High Court involving a father who uh, was found, whose, whose child was removed from, from, from him and he was accused of parental alienation. And um, mm -hmm. actually, um, uh, Tusla um, uh, is, is going to have to uh, pay major compensation to the child involved. So that's coming up. So I'm. please don't um, get me wrong. Yes, um, there are fathers who are wrongfully accused. But the, the research shows that, uh, that less than 10% of cases... Uh, involves a false allegation. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I am advocating on behalf of the mother. So how do we, how do we, well, Anna, just because I'm running out of time rapidly, but how do we fix it and how do we find out? Because what we're dealing with in all those situations, and family law, by the way, is a nightmare. We know that. And family law needs to be overhauled completely in Ireland. It's a mess. And the, 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 the idea that you have to wait, you know, two and three years to get into courts, so it's just bonkers, right? But anyway, how do we fix it? When we're in a situation where it's two people, so you've got, you know, a mother on one side, a father on the other side, we're talking about the family law courts, um, one making an accusation, one looking for access to children, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How do you decide or how do you fix the law courts to make sure that you both get a fair hearing and we find out who's telling the truth? Because it's always going to be very difficult, isn't it? Yes, and now can I say that um, that that whole area of family law court and involving couples um, that that's kind of sidetracked us because mm. no, I know I understand yes, the point you make. We, we we do support we do support mothers um, 
whose children have been taken when um, they when they report child sex abuse. But uh, the vast, vast majority of mothers that we advocate for have been victims of domestic violence and, that is and horrendous. the children yes. taken from them. And also... Um, so mothers, so what is it just... And I guess I've got two minutes here. What is it actually you're campaigning, I suppose, for? Or what changes would you like to see yes. made? Yes. Um, so the Alliance of Birth Mothers Campaigning for Justice is actually calling for an independent review of the Tusla files, and uh, okay. Tusla is actually very, very, a very dysfunctional organisation. In fact, um, a, a deputy. Padder, I'm not going to disagree Tobin, with. I'm not going to disagree with that because I've seen so yes, much evidence of that over the yes. years. De- deputy Padder Tobin uh, yesterday at our press conference cited uh, one mother, one of our mothers, Miss Orr, um, who, um, when she went looking for help for her child, uh, Tusla removed the child and then she was accused of being an alcoholic and of abusing her child and eventually uh, because she is a a very very determined well-educated woman uh, she got her files under freedom of information and she found this false allegation against her that she was an alcoholic and she ended up receiving an apology she ended up and Tusla said it was a copy and paste error. So what we would say is... Well, we know from the past, Tusla have been guilty yes. of making stuff up yes. in relation to people. I make yes. When I say making stuff up, making those yes. kind of Marvel errors. Ab- yes, absolutely. I was going to mention that particular case. Yes. You know, so we have seen that, that, that it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they make those kind of errors, inverted commas, uh, in relation to people's character, and that's completely wrong. But look, it, it's a good campaign. Can, where can people find out more information if they want to follow it up or have a look at it, what you're up to and what you're doing and how they can support you? Where can they get yes. more information? You, you will find us on Facebook, Alliance of Birth Mothers Campaigning for Justice, and uh, you will also find us on Twitter as well. All right. And I want to thank you sincerely now for just um, uh, giving me the, the time and the opportunity to uh, highlight uh, th- this horrendous issue. And what I would say is that in the past, we forgive uh, people because they didn't know what was happening. But the fact of the matter is that everybody knows now what is happening. It's new, two major reports published okay. this month, the UN report. and So, so what you're saying is ignorant. So what you're saying now is that ignorance is not an excuse, is what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, th- there has to be action uh, right. to, to reform t- Tusla. And, return uh, and by the way, in fairness, you, you, I know you have Pater Tobin on your side there, and Pater Tobin is a good man, and I know he will look after you very well, and he will make sure that that gets the attention it needs to get. Listen, thank you very and much, Matthew McGrath. And Matthew and McGrath. Matthew McGrath. And also, uh, we have uh, Bernard Durkin, who has done amazing work as well. Okay. Really amazing work. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Anna Kavanagh, who is a founder member of the Conveyor to the Alliance of Birth Mothers Campaigning for Justice. Thank you very much indeed for going on the, uh, the air and talking to us today. All right, that's about it. That about wraps up the show. Just by the way, before I go, some of the messages coming in on Twitter. Stephen says, by the way, I'm not saying conservatism is a bad thing, but I think that it would lead to a more narrow state and less acceptance of differences. Ron DeSantis is right, so somebody else, the world has had enough of this damn woke nonsense. Now the attack on innocent children is beyond despicable. It's pure, raw, unadulterated adulterated evil and it began um, with um, something or other Oh, and that comes in from Maureen anyway uh, John Davis says a conservative government is the only thing that can save this country 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's what some people think. Uh, all right, listen, thank you very much indeed for all your comments. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to watch any of the shows, including, by the way, yesterday's show was quite dramatic when we were talking about mother and baby homes. We talked to Catherine Corliss. That show is available right now. If you go to www.nileboylan.com, you can catch all the shows from during the week and last week. They're all there, by the way. We stream them live every single day, by the way. We stream live on Twitter, on the website, on Facebook. We stream live everywhere. Uh, but we do remove the live streams. And the reason we do that is because we make them downloadable so you can listen to them in your own time rather than having them on the stream, if you know what I mean. It's much easier. So if you want to listen to any of the shows, they're normally back up again by 4 or 5 o'clock every single day. You can go to the website, nileboylan.com. All one word, nileboylan.com. Go to the website right now, by the way, and you can listen to any of the shows. They're great shows from last week and from this week. And by the way, can I say a special thank you and I do want to be very sincere about this. A special thank you to everybody who's been downloading and listening. Because when we started this, going back last week, and when we had planned to do it, going back uh, the last month when I gave up working daytime on the radio, um, we kind of expected a slow burner. We expected it to start slow and slowly build up and obviously have to put a lot of work into it. We are putting a lot of work into it. But we didn't expect what we got. And what we got is a massive amount of downloads, a lot more than we ever expected. So much so we had to extend our servers and our host spacing. So thank you very much to everybody and we really, really appreciate it. Don't forget, by the way, if you want any news of the shows, you can go and sign up for a newsletter, pardon me, on our website, nileboyland.com. And also, by the way, go to my Twitter account. We're going to have some very exclusive content coming very soon. And I'm going to, you're probably saying, Noel, how do you make money out of that? Because you just say you can't be doing it for free. No, you're right. You can't because it's hard work and hard work costs money and time. But all of this is free. We're not charging you for any of it, okay? It is free. Um, but we will be doing some exclusive content, which will be just for Twitter, which you go to Twitter and you can subscribe there. And that will also be on the website in the premium section if you want as well. But all these shows, you will be able to see every single day. We're not going to charge you for those, all right? But we will be doing ex exclusive interviews. We will be doing extended interviews with people that you may hear on the air, etc., etc. And all that will be in the premium section. Because, all right, there has to be some way of paying for all this. It costs money, you know? Anyway, I'll be back again with you at 12 o'clock tomorrow. Don't forget to join us then and go to the website, nileboylan.com and you'll be able to download this show and every other show from the last two weeks. Until we see you again tomorrow at 12, have a good day. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085 100 The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.